Episode 42, Christy Tobias, author of Fearlessly Made You. We all have so many mistakes that we make, especially on our journeys in our career, um, and especially if you've ever made a transition in your career. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Enter to win a signed copy of Christie's book, Fearlessly Made You. Go to markgraven.com slash mistake42. And now on with the show. Today, I'm really happy that we're joined by Christy Tobias. She is the author of the new book titled Fearlessly Made You, Surviving and Thriving in a Perfectly Imperfect Life. So we'll we'll talk about the book. And uh, before I introduce Christy uh, a little bit more, let me welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Mark. Very excited to be here and, and grateful to spend some time with you. Yeah, this would be nice. And uh, again, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. So a little bit more about Christy. She is a consultant with Huron Consulting Group. She's a coach, a national speaker, and uh, now author with over 15 years of consulting and leadership experience. She's consulted with over 30 organizations on topics focused on change management and leadership, employee engagement, leadership development, business optimization, and financial improvement. And I met um, Christy, it was, it was almost a year ago. It was like the last public thing I'm sure either of us did before the pandemic, right? Absolutely. Literally right before. <laughs> it was right before. Um, people were already starting to be aware of um, handshakes and hand sanitizer. I, you know, I, or not shaking hands. I, that, that was the last handshake with somebody it that really I did. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting thinking about that because not that we were all overly affectionate by any means, but it was the things are happening very quickly. And in the matter of like 24 hours, I think we all just started yeah. distancing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, somebody at my table, we have the habits. He reached across, shook my hand. And then he said, and he's a doctor. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're not supposed to do that now. So mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. We were okay, but I was also going to say, you know, I had the pleasure of um, being introduced by Christy um, before my talk and sharing the stage, and then and then seeing uh, Christy speak. So I'm really glad we can reconnect and, and do the podcast here. Absolutely, it was a pleasure, and it was such a joy uh, getting to be part of your own presentation. You know, Mark, I, I admire and appreciate everything that you've done, and and getting to share the stage briefly with you, but then also experiencing uh, your work as was wonderful for me. Well, thank you. And here we are. I'm thrilled to be sharing this podcast stage with you. So let me turn over. We'll, we'll put the spotlight on you here, Christy, as we ask all of our guests here. Um, what would you say is your favorite mistake? Oh, you know, Mark, it's interesting because since we've met and since we've had this conversation about uh, having the chance to be on this podcast, I really thought very deeply about this question uh, because I'm sure like many of us, and, and I've had a chance to listen to your podcast, we all have so many mistakes that we make, especially on our journeys in our career, um, and especially if you've ever made a transition in your career. 
And so I would say, I, I almost have to give a little context and background behind said mistake and what had happened. So I've spent over, um, as I'm getting older, closer now to 20 years um, in the healthcare industry. So both administratively, clinically, um, and I've literally probably worked in every single avenue of healthcare. And with that work, one of the things that I always loved was the opportunity to help uh, organizations be better versions of themselves. I know that sounds cliche, but it's just one of my passions. If you ask my parents, it's kind of what I grew up doing as a kid is always trying to find a better way to do something or help others just improve. Um, and so with that, uh, the organization that I was working with probably about now eight to nine years ago was a hospital I was working there and I was introduced to what was then Studer Group, but is now under Huron Consulting Group, uh, the coaching team there. And my coach at the time was, they had just started on their journey. So for those of you that don't know, it's the, it's a contracting journey where basically the goal is, how do we improve the way that we objectively set goals in the organization? How do we improve the way we deliver care, the engagement that we have with our employees, and the way we allow physicians to practice in a better space and a better environment? All of that, you know, small things, <laughs> but really great things that make the organization tick. And so, uh, and seeing the work of the coach, and every organization has a coach that's assigned to them who works hand in hand with the executive team, building out just a strategic plan for what that looks like. And then coaches from executives all the way down to frontline employees um, and helps improve and help other people do better versions, be better versions of themselves and do their work better. As you can imagine, for me, I was just in awe. You know, there are people that like worship celebrities or, or love athletes. I'm like the nerd that loves like professionals. So <laughs> I had followed Studer Group. I did my master's thesis on Quint Studer before mm -hmm. I even knew about Studer Group. And so getting the chance to like be in this, this the same venue as a, a Studer Group coach, I realized I was like, this is where I want to go. This is the career direction. I finally have seen the direction I want to go. And so shortly after that meeting, um, I actually had the chance, it was probably two years to the day of meeting my coach, um, I was asked to uh, be part of Studer Group at that time. And I became a coach within six months of my transition to Studer Group. Mm -hmm. So within that time, I spent about two and a half, three years coaching on site with organizations. And what that means is, you know, pre-COVID, uh, we traveled all the time. So mm -hmm. I'm talking, you know, most consultants, you think travel Monday through Thursday. As a student group coach, you travel Sunday through Saturday, basically, because you are at a different organization across the world. And I was mm -hmm. a national coach, so I went across um, the states every day. So a different organization. And as you can imagine, after two and a half and three, two and a half to three years of doing that, you get exhausted. Um, and my favorite mistake, so leading into it, I know, nice buildup. Yeah, no, go, <laughs> my, go ahead. Yeah. My favorite mistake that I made was I wasn't honest with myself about the internal work that needed to be done to help improve the work I was doing for the people around me. Even though I knew mm. that within my heart, I always wanted to help people be better versions of themselves. That doesn't come with just, I'm good at this, so let me do that it comes with taking the time to also internalize where are the opportunities and areas within my own improvement that I'm not being honest with myself about. And that hit me in the face <laughs> very quickly. Um, I was promoted very quickly within Studer Group, which is now Huron Consulting Group, because I have a great client-facing relationship. I have, you know, natural skills and talents already that I was a communication major, so can speak to just about anything, anyone at any point in time. And I also love having those dialogues and conversations. 
where the opportunity came in though was I was in my late twenties. I knew very little when it came down to it about what it meant to be a CEO of an organization mm -hmm. or what it meant to be a CNO of an organization. And I took for granted the fact that I needed to internally grow and put in the work to understand the hard work that those individuals go through every single day. And so I allowed and I, I took for granted the fact that I was already so naturally good at building those relationships that I didn't understand those relationships. Mm. And it, it, as it transpired throughout what I identified was the relationships that I started building were very surface. And ah. so the deep work that needs to go into helping organizations be better versions of themselves takes a lot of un uncomfortable moments. It takes a lot of actually peeling back the layers of the onion and having difficult conversations with leaders, but building deep trust with them by being able to say, you know what? I don't know your work. I don't know you. Mm -hmm. Help me understand what work you've gone through. Help me understand how your organization has succeeded, but where you feel like there have been failures. And it's not that I didn't ask those questions, but I didn't dive into those questions. I used the surface conversation to help drive my work. I used my busyness of being on a different facility every mm. day to drive my work that I didn't step back and put in the real effort to say, what am I missing? Because I don't have those experiences yet. Mm -hmm. And how can I humble myself to understand what those experiences mean to the people around me? Mm. So I, I guess, you know, two questions. No, it's good. Yeah. But, uh, no, uh, two, <laughs> two questions come to mind, Christy. Um, it's up to you. I'm not sure which order makes sense maybe to discuss. But, you know, the one question is what helped you discover that dynamic or that that opportunity uh, and what was the effect of those relationships sort of only being surface level or you not putting in um that 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 as you i think you as you, uh, fair to say that that effort needed to grow and learn about their perspectives um so i guess what helped you discover that what was the effect so the <laughs> I laugh because I can now look back and laugh at it. I didn't understand at the time that there were crumbling relationships around me. And with that, I was starting to lose the trust of the executives that mm -hmm. had entrusted us with the ability to do work for them and help them succeed. And so the effect was the loss of trust with the executives led to a loss of credibility in my effectiveness as a coach. And ultimately, and I actually share this in the book, this is uh, in one of the chapters of the book, I talk about something this exact moment. Um, mm -hmm. I lost my position. And so I was asked mm -hmm. to step down from coaching. Wow. And I was told coaching was no longer a fit for me. And the, the way that it happened, and I talk about this in the book, was I mean, there's always better ways to do things. Let's be very honest. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, but as I reflect back to and thinking about the person that I am, I'm sure it shocked everyone <laughs> when it came down to it, because there's a way that you present yourself and there's mm -hmm. a way that people see you. And then there's that internal piece. It's kind of like uh, when you think about a glacier or an iceberg on the surface, you think that you see the whole thing. But when you get down below the water, it could be, you know, several hundreds of feet deep. And yeah. so it's understanding that that depth wasn't there that needed to be developed. And so I did lose my position. 
um, and was asked to transition to another part of our company. Gratefully, we had been acquired by Huron Consulting Group at that time. And so now Studer Group, you've heard me mention Studer Group is now Huron Consulting Group. Right. And Huron has multiple different uh, organizations that they have acquired. One of them is a performance improvement organization, um, very specifically focused on healthcare performance improvement. And so I transitioned and truthfully was demoted to a position. I lost like $30,000 <laughs> in that transition. Oh, mm. uh, as you can, I, and I'm single, uh, purposefully single. I should always say that I have a dog. Um, so, <laughs> but at that time, I was dating someone who was living with me who, uh, you know, another mistake, not a favorite mistake, but different conversation for a different day. But it's a different podcast, not, I think. A different but, no. <laughs> but he was not making money to sustain us. And so mm -hmm. that $30,000 loss was a huge hit. And so. it was a huge hit for me and my pride. It was a huge hit for us. But in that moment, in my transition, I was not excited about the transition. I was grateful to have a job. And so I took that and still within the same company. And I took that moment and I have, um, and again, as you read my book, you'll see my mother is my greatest mentor. She is not my cheerleader. She will never be my cheerleader. And she will always tell you that she is my coach. She's my mentor and she's my check yourself crew. So those are those people who tell it like it is for value for you, not to be mean, not to be disrespectful, but to bring mm -hmm. value into your life. And in the conversations with her, she said, careful what you wish for. And I remember I was telling her, like, what do you mean? She's like, you told me you were exhausted. Mm. You told me that you weren't really sure why you were doing what you were doing anymore. And as you were saying that, that's reflected in the work that you were doing. So mm. you weren't putting forth the effort. You weren't putting forth the work. And it took me years to really understand that that is what was happening. But I didn't realize how much I would verbalized that. And she said, you're telling me you've probably told other people too. And mm. so it was that understanding of, Yes, for me, I didn't see it at first, but I did. And and I knew that. But again, it was my favorite mistake because it was a reminder to myself of you have to put in the work. You can't mm -hmm. expect to just be great because you look great. You sound great. People like you. That's not going to cut it. You have to really understand where people are coming from, especially in this industry. You have mm -hmm. to be able to connect and engage with people at a deeper level than just who are you as a person? It's but who is your what is your organization? What is trying to drive your organization? What are the things that you're doing? And how can I help support you first before I ever think about what you're thinking about me and my perspective? Yeah. So that, that was kind of that effect um, that did happen. Um, and then you'd ask me a second question as well. Yeah, I, I mean, how'd you discover what was the effect? I, I think you I think you covered the, you know, the effect. Um, mm -hmm. But what, well, what else would you add? I think you, it was sort of kind of intertwined a little bit there. But. Yeah, I started answering both and I was like, I feel like yeah. that works. But um, I think what I also discovered too, though, was as I transitioned to a new role, I was, <laughs> the opposite happened. So as a coach, I was the youngest coach in my role by 10 to 20 years, easily. Mm -hmm. When I transitioned into a role in, it was performance improvement, it was revenue cycle. I <laughs> was the oldest person <laughs> by like yeah. 10 years. And I was like barely in my 30s. And so it was a moment of like, oh, my goodness. And I have people who are leading me that are younger than I am. This has never happened in my career at this point. Mm -hmm. I was always used to being the youngest person, always the trailblazer. Um, but as I also reflected back, I also was used to building new positions or being the first one in a position. Now I'm realizing 
there is an entire company that literally bases its bread and butter on helping organizations be better versions of themselves. And they've been mm-hmm. doing this for longer than I've been alive. So how are you going to then help support the work that needs to be done now that you are being told you are no longer good enough for the role you had because you didn't put in the work. So Mm -hmm. now shift it. And so I did have to shift it. And I had to humble myself a lot because the side of the company I went into, I went from being a people leader to being an analyst, (laughs) a financial analyst. Um, And I had done financial analysts analyzing before when I first came over to what was then Studer Group. That was for like six months. And then I was transitioned and promoted. This was requiring me to really dig deep into, you know, Excel spreadsheets and all of these things that, you know, people that were younger than me had been learning for years. And I was like, oh, goodness, I have to go back here again. (laughs) But it it was a humbling experience, absolutely humbling Mm -hmm. experience for me. Well, um, well, you know, so, you know, thank you for telling the story. Like, you know, a lot of most guest stories um, are, are vulnerable stories and, um, you know, like you said, um, usually there's a, enough distance in the stories to look back and laugh. Um, uh, you know, so I appreciate you, you know, reflecting on some of that. Um, so one other question, and then you know, I do really I want to talk uh, about the book uh, again. Yeah. Uh, we're joined uh, Christy Tobias. Her book is Fearlessly Made. You, um, if I, you know, listening to your story, did you? in terms of timeline, not really kind of fully understand what had transpired until after you were moved out of the role. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. it took, and truthfully, I, there are still questions about some of the things that happened, but the bottom line of it was um, I didn't really come to terms with my, my part in it. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I should have much sooner, but you know, uh, pride goes before mm-hmm. fall. Um, but I didn't yeah. come to terms with it probably easily six months after the transition. I knew that I knew immediately in the back of my head in my gut that I had been coasting for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew that, but really understanding what I didn't know in the work I didn't put in that was a good six months of just frustration and anger. And um, it was funny because I transitioned very quickly into a client project um, in the heart of New York. And not that I love New York now, but it was like October, I think, in New York. And if you've ever been in New York in October when it's blazing hot and you're having to ride the subway, I was yeah. I was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. not thrilled. <laughs> and so there was about three months there where I hated everything. <laughs> so, yeah. But that it was a needed transition to be like, get yourself together. Do not, you know, you can't lose the work that you've put in before you got complacent and before mm-hmm. you stopped putting in the effort for yourself. Yeah, it made it made a difference for sure in that transition, but it did take about six months. I stayed within that role for a little under two years, um, and really grew and thrived in that role because I was not going to make that same mistake of not putting in the effort and putting in the work, even if it was a different type of work. Uh, the being used to being at the executive level, I was no longer there. I was, wasn't even necessarily at the leadership level a lot of times. Sometimes I was at that frontline supervisor, frontline employee level. And I think that was the best place for me to be because it was understanding, you know, there are people who have put in so much time and so much effort, and now we're trying to change everything that they're doing. And you can't change what people don't want to change, 
but you also can't change what you're not willing to put in the effort to understand mm-hmm. how to change yourself. Mm-hmm. So it took it. That was a, a humbling and a, and a lot of the things that I had already been naturally gifted at, which is building those relationships, having that conversation and, and that communication because I was going into a role that is much more analytical, I was able to provide some of that support and coaching to my own internal teams. But it was that adjustment of, but it's not my role anymore to -hmm. be that people leader. And that that was a very big shift for me, a needed shift, but a very big shift. Well, I mean, it sounds like the lessons from all of that have stuck with you. So as you end up now going forward into other opportunities, I mean, you know, because, you know, the, 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 the podcast here is, you know, about learning from our mistakes. And uh, I mean, it seems like that that, you know, it that has happened. So that's that's Absolutely. the positive of all this. And, you know, you talk about um, being the best versions of ourself and, and things you do to be the best version of, of yourself. And, and when we talk about the book, um, Fearlessly Made You, Surviving and Thriving in a Perfectly Imperfect Life, again, uh, is that title and subtitle. Um, so, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I think we learn a lot about a book from its title. Yeah. Um, what what does the phrase Fearlessly Made You mean? And, and then how does that connect to uh, the book and, and, and putting this out? Great question. And I, I love that question because I grew up, uh, my faith is very important to me, always has been. And mm-hmm. so there's a Bible verse that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And my mom and I were talking about sharing my story, um, my st- story and struggle through post-traumatic stress disorder. And she had been encouraging me for years to share that story. And every time she did, she always brought it back to that Bible verse of sharing your story isn't a flaw. It's reminding people that your imperfections help you be fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. And so out of that came fearlessly made you. And I use the phrase fearless, not because I am not afraid, but because I don't allow the fear to define me. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes, and I will say, especially for women, uh, young women, minority women, old women, doesn't matter. I will say, especially for women, but I think this also happens with men. We just, men just don't often share it. There is a lot of fears that we have about being vulnerable, being in situations mm-hmm. that are uncertain, um, just about trying to live life uh, yeah. and embracing the imperfections, or as I call them, imperfections or gifts that life gives us. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we think about how we can own our journeys in life, and be okay with the imperfections and be okay with the fact that life is not perfect and life is messy, uh, but know that we don't have to always react to that messiness. We can take the time to respond in a way that makes sense for us and only us because we are the only people that are called to live that fearlessly made you existence. I think that's really, and, and I hope that comes off. My goal was that that first, when you look at it, that's the, oh, this is saying something more than what I am living. And so that's where that Fearlessly Made You title has come from. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in a, in a way, we're all fearlessly still being made. I mean, we Absolutely. are made already, but uh, that's where growth and progress builds on top of that, I guess. 
Absolutely. And I, that's the thing is if you're not growing, if you're not open to the fact that it doesn't matter how old you get, there's something that's going on and there's always an opportunity for you to, to embrace whatever your life path and journey is and whatever direction it's going to go, then I think you're missing something. It's just so important to remember that, that we, we live in this life. We have just this one life and it's ours to own. It's ours to be okay with the imperfections Mm -hmm. and it's ours to thrive in as well. You don't have to always be in that survival mode. You can Mm -hmm. thrive even amidst, you know, the traumas and struggles, the 2020s, 2021s (laughs) that are happening. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think that phrase perfectly imperfect is really interesting and thought provoking and, you know, it gets me thinking of, you know, where do you find the balance between accepting who you are and what you've done while also striving to become better, realizing none of us are perfect. I demonstrate that all the time. I embrace, you know, the fact that none of us are perfect. And you know, in a way, that's one of the themes here, but on, in this in this whole podcast series. But where, where do you find the balance, Christy, between um, acceptance and striving Um, in terms of improvement, self-betterment, whatever you might call it? You know, I'll be really transparent. I feel like if I had consistently found that balance, I'd probably be a millionaire living in Fiji (laughs) in a boat. (laughs) (laughs) What I will tell you is um, in ringing in the new year, I realized more than ever that that balance was something that I still hadn't quite grasped. And a lot of that is when you have been pushing yourself to be a better version of you. When you guide organizations or you guide people to be better versions of themselves, you forget that the you that you are still has those imperfections and they will not destroy you unless you pretend they don't exist. And that is my, that's my fatal flaw. I know that about myself. Uh, I am, perfectionist isn't even the word. I'm very focused on controlling the outcomes and the environment around me because I don't want to find myself hurt. A lot of that stems from years of, um, uh, and you'll read this in the book, uh, abuse both sexually and and, um, Mm. physically from a relationship Mm. that I was in for six years. But I think that's the easy way out and saying that's the reason. It's some of the reason is in there. A lot of the reason is me and how I'm built and who I am as a person. And so I have to be okay with diving into those difficulties, the things that my flaws make me me. And I am very comfortable saying that, but I can't just say it. There are flaws Mm -hmm. that are dangerous for who I am as a person. They're dangerous for the people around me. And so I have to be okay with working on those as well. And if I don't work on those first, I will hide them and replace them with trying to be better. There are things that we know inherently that we have replaced with optimization or improvement, but they're still there. And they kind of sneak up on us when we least expect them. That happened to me at the beginning of the new year. I had some latent issues that I had never truly dealt with. I just used them as, oh, they're just my imperfections. It's fine. But I wasn't paying attention to the way they were coming out. I was so focused on making sure everyone else was okay. Everything else is okay. I'll deal with this later that I didn't deal with it until Mm. it came out in a very dramatic way, which is never great. (laughs) But it's, it's that reminder that you are human and you have to deal with you first. You can't keep trying to improve and ignore the opportunities where we have our imperfections that, that could hurt us and others. Yeah. 
Um, one other question I wanted to ask um, before we wrap up. Um, on your website, there was a link to an article from about three years ago that talked about you kind of taking this new journey around um, strength training and, and bodybuilding competition. Like, what did you learn uh, from from going through that and, and those new experiences? Great question. I learned I do not like asparagus. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of it on the diet, you mean? There was a like... lot of it. Um, <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I grew up an athlete. My entire family, I'm the oldest of four, we're all athletes. And uh, so growing up an athlete and then moving into a travel lifestyle like a consultant, uh, mm-hmm. two very counterintuitive things. It seems like it would work because you're constantly moving, but you're constantly moving on the road where airport food and restaurants mm-hmm. or fast food are at your disposal at all times. And you're not sleeping well. Um, you're not really managing your stress well. So all of that leads to um, unhealthiness overall. Sure. And I will even say like, oftentimes people think about like weight gain and things like that. It's just unhealthiness period. It doesn't matter what you look like physically, it's how you're feeling internally. And so bodybuilding for me, uh, I had a friend who ran an outdoor fitness business and he recommended that I connect with, um, and she'll be more than happy for me to share. Her name is Nicole. Mm -hmm. She um, was my trainer and she became a very, very close friend of mine because the first thing she told me before I ever decided to do bodybuilding was there is no reason why we will do this for your body. This has to be for you your spiritual, Mm. your mental health, because otherwise you will be destroyed. Mm. And she was absolutely right. And so it shifted a lot of my perspective. So I grew up competing in pageants. And so a lot of my focus when it came to um, shaping my body and things like that was very physical, wasn't Mm. mental, wasn't spiritual, was very physical. And I gave her that background. And so she shifted my perspective to think Mm. about what is it that spiritually and mentally you feel like you need to heal. It really shifted the way that I look at um, sports and working out and healthy eating and healthy lifestyle. I um, mean, so for about a year, I bodybuilded, I did compete, I won three medals, which was totally like, <laughs> it was wow. so funny, because we even said she's like, if you're not ready, we're not going to do this. So I approached it with, you know, the tenacity, the discipline, the determination. But it was also in the back of my head, if I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And I think that actually propelled me even further because I was no longer doing this for someone else or something else. It was just for health and healing for me. And it was, it was wonderful. And I've since no longer been doing bodybuilding. I still weightlift. I actually do Mm -hmm. more cycling, but what I have done is every year I started infusing some other type for me, working out as a release. Um, It's my stress relief. So I've infused some other type of working out. So cycling has been for the past couple of years, one of my other types of working out um, in addition to, to weightlifting, but it's because it's about how am I ensuring that my mental and spiritual wellness is the focal point, not how I look, but what's my release, what that looks like with me growing and releasing the negativity, but building up that growth under the mental and spiritual realm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing some of the the learnings um, there. So not many of us get in the situation where we get to earn medals in something. So that's new cool. as an adult, you can still earn medals. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a participation ribbon; it was a medal. No, I know. one of them was, but that's okay. I was the only one in the category for one of them, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You, well, there it is. Well, you didn't have to tell us. But, <laughs> but thank you. But anyway, but, but still, congratulations. And, and that article um, is there in the sidebar of Christie's website, which is www.fearlesslymadeyou.com. 
Com. That's uh, the title of the book. Again, our guest has been Christy Tobias. The book is titled Fearlessly Made You, Surviving and Thriving in a Perfectly Imperfect World. So um, again, congratulations on um, on the book. As an author, I know, you know, oh, it's a big endeavor. So I always applaud anyone who gets that book to the finish line. Yes. It says on your website, you've got a podcast coming soon, right? So uh, one of the things I'm sure anyone listening and you've picked up on is I love to talk, um, but I love to learn about people as well. And so one of the great things was uh, when the book uh, was finalized, uh, the marketing team from the publishing company and I had this conversation, I had planned on starting a podcast prior to even writing the book. And so we decided to hold and do just kind of one big launch of what is Fearlessly Made You. And so, yes, there's a book, but yes, there's also me connecting with people. Um, And it doesn't have to be celebrities. It's just people kind of like what you're doing here is people that inspire me, people that motivate me, but then also people who have true stories to talk about that aren't being talked about. And so that podcast is coming soon, very soon after uh, the book is launched. And so I would just recommend everyone stay tuned to my website. You'll get all the details, but that is coming very quickly after uh, we launched the book on February, in February 16th. And I, it sounds like then the same title, Fearlessly Made You, if people then go search in their podcast app or whatever they, okay, great. Absolutely. Yep. We're keeping it all. <laughs> Fearlessly <Yep>. Made You. <laughs> well, good. So Christy Tobias uh, has been our guest. Um, thank you. It's good to reconnect with you and to see you and to talk to you. And um, again, congratulations on the book. I hope people will check it out. And, and thank you for sharing um, here on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you, Mark. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.